Good morning. We are between one Chaga Ge'ula and the second Chaga Ge'ula. These are very, very special days. Um, we're to, this morning we're doing the Sicha on Bayishlach in Chelek Tezbav, Sicha Beis on Bayishlach, that is Bayishlach, and Yotes Kislev. And uh, if you're able and it's easy for you to grab a Chumash, then you probably will um, benefit from just seeing the larger context of of the words that the Sicha uh, looks at. So um, the story that, that we're looking at is Yaakov's fear uh, as um, he knows he has to he has to meet Asaph. This is a showdown that he's been trying to avoid for over two decades. And um, he sends uh, messengers to do reconnaissance and scout out the situation. And in Perak Lamed Bey's uh, Pasuk Zion 32.7, the messengers return to Yaakov and they say that uh, Asaph's coming and he has 400 men with him. And uh, the Torah tells us that Yaakov grew very frightened and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him into two. <clears throat> and he said if Asaph comes to attack one camp, at least the remaining camp will survive. And, uh, and now we're going to look at the Psukim where, Hash- where Yaakov expresses himself about his predicament, about his situation. And uh, he says to Hashem, he says, Hashem, the father of my father, uh, the, the, the God of my father, Avraham, and the God of my father, Yitzchak, Hashem, you are the Hashem who said to me, Return to your land, to your birthplace, and I will do good with you. And here are the um, the words that the Sicha puts under a microscope. I'm unworthy of all the kindness. And of all the faithfulness that you have done with your servant. Yaakov says, because I crossed over this river, the Jordan River, only with my staff. And now, look what happened to me. Now I have become two camps. So I came over with, with nothing to my name, but a staff, a stick, and, and, and look at me. But now I need your help. Please save me I, from, from the hands of my brother. I, I am very afraid of him. Lest he come and he attacked me, he will attack me, mother and children. And um, there's two Rashis that we want to look at very, very quickly. One is on the words, that's uh, the first three words in Pasukit Aleph. And Rashi says, Nismatu my merits have been diminished because of the kindness and the truth that you have done with me. And therefore, Yaakov says, I'm afraid. Perhaps from the time that you made these promises to me, I have become dirty, tainted by sin. And and because of that, I this will cause me to be handed over to the hands of Asaph. And are the words Kivimakli, 
we're skipping the Rashi for now on Mikola Emes. Kivimakli Rashi says, Lehaya imi mikna, ela makli levad. Yaakov says, I had nothing. I had no assets. I just had my staff. I had my stick. That's the pshat. Umidrash Agada and the Medrash says, Nasan makli viyardi menifka hayardin. That, that these words, kivimakli, allude to the fact that Yaakov put his stick on the river and the river split for him. So now we're going to go into the Sicha. Aleph. Again, Vayishlach Bez Chilek Tezbov. Vayishlach and Yutes Kislev. The Pasuk Katainti Mikola Hasadim Goimer. And this Pasuk that we just read. Kivamakli Avartis Yardin Azeva Ata Hayisi. The Rebbe says that there are two antithetical ways of understanding these words. Aleph, the first way, the simple explanation for who perish Targum, Rashi and this is the way the Targum renders these words, and this is how Rashi explains it in his first of the two explanations, and other Mefarshim as well. The Yaakov crossed the Yardin with nothing else but the stick, the staff. Well, if you perish the Nimtza, Shahamira be Makli of Artis Yardin as a Vivataas, Loy as a Hasadam Shazakarish Borham Yaakov, Elohefach, as Matsav Haini Bahamachs or Begash Mishal Yaakov Avinu, Kisha Ovar as a Yardin. According to the first explanation, the words, and with my staff, I cross the river, expresses not the great kindnesses that Hashem did with Yaakov. These words don't express that. Rather, the opposite. It underscores the abject poverty and, and, the, and the lack that Yaakov had in all things physical and temporal when he left and he, when he, when he crossed over the Yardin. Vizuhi hakdama. And so these words are kind of the preface. Asher mavlita is That emphasizes, that, that causes to be emphasized so much more the great kindnesses that Hashem did afterwards. Ka'amur, as it says, in the, in the next part of the Pasuk, so the Rebbe wants to explain that this first parish of Rashi and the words Kivimakli underscore that Yaakov was bereft of, of everything and anything except for this staff. And they only serve to emphasize how great was Hashem's chesed after this. Bez, but the parish Hamidrash, Hamuva Afhuba parish Rashi, but the way the Medish understands the words kibimakli with my staff, which are brought as the second parish of Rashi, nasan makli biyardin benifka yardin. Yaakov put his staff on the Jordan and, uh, and it was split. Ashalifi perish, in accordance with this understanding, ha'amira bimakli avarti gufa kalelis inin shalchazdi Hashem. In this understanding of the words kibimakli, the words themselves, kibamakli, include, and they allude to the great chesed of Hashem. So in the first explanation, 
they underscore what Yaakov is lacking. And in the second, the same words, Kiva Makli, are pregnant with meaning about his greatness, that he was able to put the staff on the yardane and, and, and split it. Upeirushim helu, him hafchim betachlis. The Rebbe says that these two explanations are, are entirely opposing one toward the other. The first explanation underscores abject poverty. But in accordance with the second parish, the second explanation underscores how Yaakov Avinu is worthy of the greatest miracle. And the Rebbe says, and if we use the words of the Gemara Chulim that actually were said about the great Tana, Pinchas ben Yair, who also was able to do a great miracle and split uh, a body of water. Kama Nafish Gavra, how great was this man, Kimoisha, that he should be like Moshe, Vishtin, Ravivan, and 600,000 people, Shenechlak Lahem Yamsuf. So Rabbi uses these words of the Gemara that were said about Pinchas ben Yair and applies them to Yaakov. So according to the second explanation, it, it underscores the greatness of Yaakov and not his lack. Base. We have to understand the explanation, the, the, the connection between these two Pirushim. And in parentheses, the Rebbe repeats an axiom which we have actually just uh, reviewed in a, in, a, in a sicha that we learned and that the Rebbe, you know, repeated this and taught Torah through, through this lens, among others. Shari kefishen is bar kamo kama po'omen. The Rebbe says, as I've explained many times, kol ha-peirushim al teva achas. Whenever you have many or even more than one explanation on one word, al pasuk echad, al inyan echad, or on one verse, or on one concept, it means that there is a consequential connection between these two explanations. And this is a very one of many very novel strands of the Rebbe's Torah because conventionally we understand the Yesh Shivim Panim that there are at least 70 ways you could understand everything and different, different uh, strokes for different folks, you know, kind of. And the Rebbe says, no, it's Alas is miksha achas. Everything is made out of one, one piece of gold. The entire Torah is are just facets of one of, of, of one in, an entity and one entirety. And we have to understand how these seemingly disparate aspects are actually one. And the Rebbe says, about God is gracious, we especially have to understand the connection between these two seemingly divergent uh, explanations because in the Sefer, Agadah's Barashas, they come in succession one after the other. And so the Rebbe says to understand the explanation, Yesh lahakdim as l'shayin rabbeinu hazakein b'igrasai hayadua dibra hamaschel katanti. In order to understand, we're going to preface with the words of the Alta Rebbe in his very well-known letter or epistle, he wrote this letter after he was freed um, 
Andrew Teskesa, and he wrote, and this is an extraction thereof, the Alter Rebbe writes, because Yaakov Avinu was so small, very small in his eyes, because of the great chasadim. And then he cites these two words from the Pasuk that we looked at, with my staff, etc. And then the Rebbe says, and this is, these are the words, the exact words from the epistle, that are seminal to what we're trying to understand today, right now on this Pasuk. So the Rebbe now takes these words and he puts these words of the Alter Rebbe under a microscope. And he says, Seemingly, this is not understood. It would seem, seemingly, that the Alt Rebbe wants to underscore the enormous kindnesses that Hashem did with Yaakov. And that is exactly what it was that aroused within Yaakov this feeling of, I am so small and undeserving. If this was Al-Tarebbe's intention, then it, it would seem that Al-Tarebbe should have brought, especially the, last, the latter part of the Pasuk, he should have brought the words that come after the words in the Pasuk, and those words are, it begins with my stick, but the words that al Rebbe does not bring down are, I crossed the Jordan, and now I have become two machanais, two encampments, meaning I came bereft of everything, and, and look, look how how bountiful are my gifts? So why does al not include those words? seemingly, we might be able to explain. The Rebbe says that perhaps we can embrace the explanation that what al wants to do is he wants to allude through these words to the medrash which we have looked at earlier, meaning um, the medrash that the Rebbe mentions, the medrash that the that Rashi mentions as the second explanation, which is Nasan Makle Biyarde Yarde. The Yaakov put his staff on the Yarden, and the Yarden was uh, was split. But the Rebbe says, Eloshi but we can't. <laughs> that would be too easy. We can't say that's what the Alter Rebbe is referring to. Shahare, why? Aleph, first of all, Adayin Kasha, Blamba Lahiskir, Gamas, Achesed, Asheni, Hamaforish, Repasav, Baatayisil, Shnei Machamis. First of all, that wouldn't help us because we're still at a loss as to understand why the Alter Rebbe is not, again, seemingly he wants to underscore the great chasadim that Yaakov merited. So let's say even if the words ki bimakli 
allude to that miracle that with his staff he was able to to um, split the Yardane. But why would he not have also included what it says specifically in the Pasuk, which is a great chesed about how much Hashem made Yaakov grow, his family, his assets, and so on and so forth. Beis, Ve'ikar, the second and the main problem with embracing that explanation, im kavonas harbeinu hazakim b'chachazum in a Pasuk he l'neis the second problem and the main problem is that if Al Rebbe's intention with the words Kivimakli is to is to mention the sin that the yarding was split, then then even more, even more so, he should have continued with the words of RTS Yardin, I crossed over the Jordan. Because it's in those words that allude to the great miracle that happened with the staff. So either way, again, the Rebbe's question is, so for, let's review how we got here. So first the Rebbe explains this pasuk and what Rashi brings and what these words can mean. Then the Rebbe says, but these two explanations are antithetical to each other. It's, it's strange that the same words should allude to both a situation of complete and object poverty or limitation or deficit, and at the same time to tremendous bounty in terms of the miracle that could occur. Then the Rebbe says, to understand this, we have to first look at exactly how the Alter Rebbe used these words, Kiva Makli. And now the Rebbe is saying, pay attention to the fact that the Alter Rebbe put into this, into the Sigeras, into this epistle, the words Kiva Makli, Chule. And he didn't add any of the other words from the puzzle. And it would seem that by adding these words, it would emphasize what the Alt Rebbe wants to bring out. So the Rebbe floated one possible explanation and completely negated it. And now he's going to float another. And you can't say, correct, of course, yes, obviously, that the Alt Rebbe meant to include the entire Pasuk. But because he didn't want to bring the whole Pasuk, he wanted to do this very bikitzer in, in, in a synopsized form, he just brought the first part of the Pasuk. And he, and he hints to the rest of the Pasuk. In other words, he wants us to understand that it's almost like he brought the whole Pasuk in, in the Sigaris, because he writes, but the Rebbe says, no, that can't be the explanation. That can't be how you understand it. Why? Because if this would be the way to understand what Alta Rebbe did with these words in his Igeras, then at the very least, Alta Rebbe should have added one more word I crossed over. In other words, even when you, you um, employ this, this style, and, and, that, and that's what putting etc. is for, right? That, that, that is what we have this, 
paradigm of putting, et cetera. But even if you do that, it still has to, you still have to put at least a few of the words and kind of give the thought. And here, it's almost like the thought is truncated. Keep a mockly with my staff. What does that mean? And Bayes, if that is actually what al meant, that he wanted us to understand, it's as if he cited the whole Pasuk, then it had to say not chule, but v'chule, bevav hamaisiv. It had the word chule, or the term chule, had to be prefaced with the vav. And the Rebbe says, as I've already explained in another place at great length, and you can look at the footnote and see where the Rebbe did this. The Rebbe says that when it says chule as opposed to vechule, believe of, without a vav, chule actually comes to show that the rest of the Pasuk is not relevant to what is being spoken of here. So then why does it say chule at all? So that explains by Safas chule, and in like fashion, goimer, but not vigoimer. So both of these are terms for etc. What does it mean? This is an order not to trespass the rabbinic injunction, that anywhere a Moshe did not divide the Pasuk, we don't divide it. Um, just to say two words on this, that if you look at a Sefer Torah, there's no punctuation at all. But we have a Messiah of where Moshe divided the Pasukim. And so there's this idea, there's this, this uh, that Chazal said that we never divide or, or, or put, you know, like a period in, in, in a group of, of words that, that Moshe Rabbeinu did not. So the Alter Rebbe wanted to be very careful and he didn't want to just cite two words from the larger Pasuk. So therefore he put Chule, but he didn't put Vichule because really what he's trying to say with the words Kibimakli has only to do with those two words and nothing further in the Pasuk. And again, he only put Chule to uphold the words of, of, of our Chachamim that we don't truncate a verse or we don't divide or finish a verse where Moshe Rabbeinu did not. So Muva Mikolze. So now that now that the Rebbe has told us these two things, it's understood. That the words kivemakli in and of themselves, without anything else that comes in the rest of the Pasuk, the very words kivemakli and what these words entail, what these words contain, was enough to effect this feeling in Yaakov that he is too small and undeserving of all the kindnesses that Hashem bestowed upon him. Without even the fact that he became so rich and that his family grew so, so, 
become so many. And without even referencing this spectacular miracle of his being able to split a body of water, just the words Kivamakli contain something so powerful that Yaakov Avinu felt katainti. So what is it? What's contained in these words? Gimel. So in our writes, brings down the words of the Shalom. And the Shalom writes, Asher Kibemakli, that these two words, Kibemakli, with my staff, for with my staff, who these two words form an acrostic for seven other words, not in the order of the words as they appear in the Psukim. First, the words Baruch Kevoid Hashem Mim Kaimai. Blessed is the honor of Hashem from his place. And Lishuascha Kibisi Hashem. And for your and for your salvation do I hope, O oh God. So the Tzavach Tzedek brings down these words from the Shalom. The Tzavach said that the words Kivimakli contain Rashi Tevis for these two, for these two extractions from larger Pesokim. But Tzavach Tzedek and the added, and I want to say, is bar in accordance with what is written, what the al wrote in Tzavach Al-Tachebe brings down on the words from Tehillim that Hashem did with Yaakov, judgment and charity. There has to be both of these modalities, staka u mishpat, charity and judgment. Bahainu, beis habachinois. And these two modalities are hinted at one in the words Barach Kivait Hashem Mim Kaimai, and one Lishu Ascha Kibisi Huli. And the other is found in the other word Lishu Ascha Kibisi Hashem. So there has to be both Barach Kivait Hashem Mim Kaimai. And also, what does this mean? The explanation is as follows. From the terminology in this Pasuk in Tehillim, David Melech says to Hashem that you did judgment and charity with Yaakov, move on. It's understood that regarding Yaakov, there were both of these mitos, both of these modalities. And how Hashem acted with Yaakov was both in a way of judgment and in a way of charity. Although it would seem that they are antithetical to each other. Mishpat, because the word mishpat 
judgment, peirushai, it connotes shemasha tevea adamagieloi alpidin. When you say that a judgment was handed down, it connotes that the person is whatever this person is demanding, he actually deserves alpidin in accordance with whatever judgment is handed down. But when you use the word staka, when you use the term staka, the intention and the content of that term is it has the opposite connotation that you're not deserving. But because I'm going to be charitable, I'm going to give this to you. So what does it mean that the Ebishter acted with Yaakov from a place of both of these modalities that seem antithetical to each other? Perhaps, the Rebbe says, we might be able to say, okay, we have a way of understanding this. We have a way of reconciling this. That Mishpat and Saka relate to two different aspects of Yaakov. And this is not just Yaakov. This is talking about all of B'nai Yisrael. So perhaps we could say that from the perspective of the Neshama, then a Jew can demand what he needs from Hashem. Litboya is in Yon of Eitzel Kadosh He can do this in, in a way that is fair and square. He can demand it, I'll be mishpat, I'll be din. Shechem, l'neshama, magiem, inyaneha, I'll be din. Because the neshama certainly deserves to get everything it needs. I'll be din. But from the perspective or from the, um, from the position of the body, the body can only beg for this as sadaka. Rabbi says, maybe we could explain it this way. But he says, no. But this explanation does not, it doesn't explain the pasuk. It doesn't mishpat utzdaka b'yakav ata'asisa. It doesn't really corroborate with the words of the Pasuk Dahainu. The Rebbe says, you can't, you can't use that explanation because it's understood from the word Ata'asisa that these two seemingly antithetical modalities are talking about how Hashem literally relates to Jews in Asiya, and in Asiya, practically speaking, we are a neshama in a guf, you can't separate the two. So the explanation is like this. Nebuchadnezzar says the explanation is that even when a person stands in a level, he stands in, in the Madrega that justifies his being able to demand everything good from Hashem, mitzat adin, because he's truly deserving. Kid'isa like it says in the Gemara, 
on the words, Shimu Elai Abire Lev listen to me, those who are strong hearted, who are very, hard, are very far from Staka. And the Gemara explains, that these people are so strong-hearted, they are so righteous, they are such great tzaddikim, that while the entire world is sustained through the modality of staka, of charity, Hashem is kind to us, but they are sustained with they are, they, they are they are sustained with a strong arm, meaning they're completely deserving. But the Rebbe says, but even these people who are deserving, they are abirele, they are strong-hearted, and they could ask for everything bizraya. They have so much clout. They have they have so much leverage because they're so deserving. They could ask of God for everything. I'm still in all, but still in all, they have to come before God and ask this through the modality of, of Hashem being charitable and kind. And like it says, Hashem And now the Rebbe says, once we understand what he cited from the Tzemach Tzedek, where the Tzemach Tzedek brings down the words of the Shalom and how the Altareb explains it. And then the Rebbe adds his explanation. He says, Now we're in a position to understand why Yaakov was afraid of Esau. He was already earlier promised by Hashem that Hashem will be with, with him. It would seem. I'm sorry. It's true that Yaakov Abinu was afraid that maybe he was dirtied and soiled and compromised with a sin. But that in itself requires explanation. Hare Amru Chazal, because Chazal taught, it's a Gemara, Shekeban Shayatsu Reif Shnaisa Shal Adam Velay Chata, Shuv Enechit. That once a person has gotten to a certain age where he has lived most of his years and he hasn't sinned, he doesn't have to be afraid that he's going to start sinning. You don't have to worry about it. Umemelan, therefore, Hare Zemachayu Shal Yaakov, Lehaya Oid Lachshay Shema Nislach Niskalkalti Bechait. I'm sorry, and so Yaakov shouldn't have been worried and he shouldn't have had to, um, means to, um, to suspect that he would have been tainted with a sin. Because he, he already had passed most of his years and um, the Rebbe goes through that in footnote 22. He says that when Yaakov left Acharim, he was already 77 years old and, and and the Rebbe goes on to, basically he was not a young man <laughs> and so he had already lived most of his years as a tzaddik and and so why is he so afraid that he somehow lost his chosim 
and that he will not be protected by Hashem as Hashem had promised him, why was he afraid? Ella, what the Rebbe says, when do we apply this rule of thumb from the Gemara that if you've already, you have a chazaka that you lived decades and decades in a certain way that we're not going to start worrying and suspecting that you're going to turn. When does this apply? When a person feels his sense of self and his existence. So when a person feels his existence, then he's able to come to this calculation that he has already lived most of his years, he hasn't sinned, and, and therefore he can rely on the promise and the premise that he won't begin to sin at this point. The im who may and and if he is this kind of person who falls into the category of strong-hearted, meaning so righteous, then he can ask of Hashem with his with his strong hand. He can ask for whatever it is he needs. Because he has earned those things fair and square. Because according to Mishpat, according to the way you would adjudicate this objectively, he's deserving. But the Rebbe says, but when a person is standing with complete self-abnegation, he, he, he does not have this default normal sense of yeshus that he feels himself. It's precisely because of that feeling of total self-abnegation and smallness that he constantly feels that he sinned. And here we have to understand the word hate as some type of deficit, some type of lack. He suspects that he has sinned, or at least he feels some type of spiritual deficit in his spiritual service. And therefore, it's clear and simple to him, and so a person in this space feels in a very, very clear way, that the only way that he can hope for this kindness and goodness from Hashem is only as a tzedakah. Hey, but we have to understand. So, okay, okay, good. Okay, so we understand that Yaakov Avinu was a person who was in the state of complete bittle. And he was the MS Katainti in his eyes. And so yeah, on this level, anything that he asked for and anything that he understood he got or would get was only be staka. So now we have a question on, on the Pasuk and Tehillim. Madua Nemar Mishpat Utstaka So then 
why does it talk about these two modalities? Shemizem mashma, from this, from the Pasuk, that it says mishpat utstaka, it's understood. Sha'af ha'ifen de mishpat ha'yaitzel Yaakov umemela tzarek liyais. That Yaakov did, in fact, get from Hashem in both ways, with both modalities. And in fact, it had to be that way. And so the Rebbe explains something really spectacular. Habir's explanation is, When a person finds himself in a situation where he is asking Hashem, everything that he's asking is only from a position of tzedakah. Either he sincerely feels himself undeserving or look at the parentheses, or at least it appears to him that he actually feels himself to be completely undeserving. Either way, Azai then his asking for Hashem to give him kindness through the modality of tzedakah doesn't prove his self-abnegation. He has no choice because if he really feels himself to be undeserving, obviously he has to ask for tzedakah. So how is this a proof that he's totally in a, in a space of self-abnegation? To say this a little bit more in depth. What happens between this person and Hashem is in consonance with his sense of self and its abnegation, but it is all measured. There's, there's a measure and there's, a, there's parameters for it. Umida kenegamida. And then Hashem deals with him in a reciprocal measure. So in reciprocal measure, gam hamedida so what he's asking for, the affluence from above, comes to him also in measured manner. Like it says in the Gemara, regarding tzedakah, that the chiyuv of giving tzedakah is to give to the person that needs his tzedakah in accordance with the needs that he is missing. But you're not commanded to make this person rich. You have to give him what is lacking in accordance with who he is, his self-control. And in accordance and in consonance with what he is accustomed to. The Rebbe says, yes, of course, this could be a great amount of money. But it is still weighed and measured. It is still a limited amount in accordance with what this person is used to. And here, 
the Rebbe quotes the famous example, if this person who has fallen into a state of neediness was accustomed to riding on a horse and having people ride in front of him and announce his arrival, then you have to give him this also. In other words, because to him, if he doesn't have this, he will feel impoverished. But still, but you're still not obligated to give him money to make him very, very rich. You have to give him what he is used to. The point here that I was trying to make is he's trying to explain why does it say by Yaakov Mishpat Utstaka? If Yaakov was really in a place of Katainti, so it should just say Utstaka. Why Mishpat Utstaka? So the Chab explains that when a person feels that they don't deserve, then then of course it has to be tzedakah. So this doesn't show that they're that they're in a state of real self-abnegation. This shows that they're pragmatic. They're able to assess who they are and who they're not. That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't prove self-abnegation. Deeper, Baba says, when this person turns to Hashem from this place for tzedakah, it's still from a place of self-assessment. And so it's from a place, it's from a measured place because it has to do with how this person sees themselves and how this person understands that they have abnegated their sense of self. So it's still all quantifiable. And therefore the tzedakah that comes from Hashem is going to be in quantified fashion. It's going to be limited. But when a person is in a situation where he's completely deserving to get what he's asking of Hashem, he deserves. And he can legitimately ask for this from a place of mishpat, from a place of of being judged in the way that he that he's deserving. And you see the Rebbe underscores this. And still and all, although he is deserving, and he could ask to get what he deserves, but still and all, but he turns to Hashem, not with a demand or legitimate mishpat, but he does so in a way of asking for tzedakah. This is proof that he has risen to a place that is beyond calculation, beyond hamadidas v'hagbalas v'yatza mimtziosai. He has risen to a place beyond parameters, beyond limitation, beyond constriction. He has left the self. He has left the sense of self. He has, he, he's not in a headspace where he's 
where he's focusing on himself and what he did accomplish and what he didn't accomplish and what he therefore does deserve and he doesn't deserve. And then the tzedakah that comes from Hashem is higher than any type of demarcation, any type of delineation. Even, let's go back to what the Rebbe said when he quoted the Gemara, the halacha that even that when you give it in tzedakah, it could be a, a vast amount. Because if it's a person who is used to riding on horses and having an entourage and so on and so forth, it's a lot, a lot of money. But you're not to give him more than that to make him rich. Whereas the person who is deserving, but is not looking through that lens at all. They turn to Hashem and they say, just give me staka. They have risen completely beyond a place of limitation, and therefore they can get a type of, of hashba that has no limitation at all. Because it's not at all dependent on this person or even his deficiencies, because when you get stuck, you have to give according to deficiencies. That's, that's a pedestrian, conventional type of stucker, but not the stucker that comes from to a person who has risen beyond all all kinds of calculations and, 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 and delineation. Vav. So these two modalities, Matzav Shel Bakosha Bitura Tzedakah, asking for Hashem to give what we need simply from a place of charity. And the second modality, Matzav Da'abire Leiv, She'yuchal Litboya Bizraya. And then you have the second modality, the people who are Abire Leiv, they are very strong-hearted, they are completely righteous, and they could demand of Hashem, Bizraya with a strong hand. And although they could ask Bizraya, they ask and then what Hashem gives them is in a, in a way that is completely without limitation. So these two modalities are parallel to the two messages that are found in the two extractions of the Pasuk that the Shalat taught are alluded to in the words, Ki bimakli, for with my stick. And remember that the Shalat said that the words, Ki bimakli, are Rashitavis for Lishuascha Kivisi Hashem, and Barak Hashem Nimkaimai. And now the Rebbe explains. Lishuascha Kivisi Havaya, Peirushai, the words, and to your salvation, I hope, O God. This is an ex- this, this alludes to Sha'adam Yachal Lismaich Rak al Yeshua Shatavim Isaac Baruch Hu. 
that a person can only rely on salvation that will come from Hashem, because he does, he's not deserving, and therefore he cannot demand. And therefore he can only hope the Yeshua Hashem to the salvation from Hashem. And this is the modality This is the modality of turning to Hashem to give you things in a, because of charity. But the words Barak Havayim and blessed is the is the honor of Hashem from his place. Moira Alamshachas but these words allude to bringing down, drawing down effulence, Hashem's honor from a very, very deep and profound place, from his place, from the most profoundly true source of the honor of Hashem. And it comes down, it is drawn down, like Hasidus teaches, that the word Baruch always means to draw down, a conduit for drawing down what has to be brought down, until this very, you know, low lower strata, this means, that we're talking about drawing down something that is completely infinite to this lowly world that is a place marked by limitation. And this is affected and this is affected through those who are strong-hearted who are so far from staka? They are far from needing sadaka, and yet they turn to Hashem only betura sadaka. They have no calculation in their heads regarding who they are and what they deserve, and so on and so forth. And therefore, because they have left this place of limitation, they are able to draw down a level that defies and transcends all limitation that is truly infinite. And now in Zion, the Rebbe says, I'll hanal. And in, a court, in, in once we understand what we've explained above, move on mashakasav admar hazakim. Now we return, because remember that the Sikha is both about this Parsha, words in this Parsha, and about Yutis Kislev. So we can understand what the Alter Rebbe wrote in that Igeris and that Epistle, because Yaakov was so small in his eyes, because of the proliferation of kindnesses, and he cites only the words, for with my stick, and he does not bring the rest of the words. And he does not even hint to the rest of the words with the vav hachibor, with the vav that would imply and that comes before, etc. What does he mean? Through this, that Yaakov 
encompassed both of these seemingly antithetical modalities, demishpat utstaka, both of fear, judgment, you could say, and charity, hamirumazois ki bimakli, that are hinted at in the words ki bimakli, as the Shala explained that there are shetevois for two extractions of psukim that hint these two modalities. And through this, and through this, he reached a level that all of the effluence and everything that's going to come down from Hashem is all the, in the modality of kindness. It is a hashpa that comes, that is so great, is so awesome, is so infinite. It's hinted at in the words, from his essential place. This is a proliferation of kindnesses that are completely without an end, infinite. And because this occurred, this greatness and this proliferation of kindnesses was experienced by Yaakov as a result of Kibimakli, the, the combination of these two different modalities. And therefore, Alkain, Aisa Kirvas Alkim Mamash that type of coming close to Hashem, it brought him to feel this smallness, he felt this in the most complete way. He felt it wasn't any type of lip service. It wasn't any type of calculated um, kind of, you know, equation. He he completely. There was there was nothing about himself, and therefore, in that place, he felt extremely small and undeserving. And this is also what Alder Rebbe continues. Because Yaakov was so small, so, so small, ma'id, ma'id in his eyes, because of the tremendous chasadim, as alluded to in the words, kibamakli, al-kain, therefore, the enoi ro'i k'day klal And therefore, he felt that he was completely undeserving of being saved from Esau. And the and and like and like Chazal teaches that lest the this deficiency make him feel in his eyes it it it, it appears in his eyes like he sinned and once we understand or I don't know that we can understand but once we here, how the, how the Rebbe describes the, the level of self-abnegation of Yaakov, 
הגיע עד למדרגה זו, שבה מציוסם ובדרך ממילא גם אבידסם של הנברם, אינן תפסס מקום כלל. He arrived, he reached a level where the existence and even the spiritual service of creations are not תפסס מקום כלל. They don't take up any space. They're not part of the calculation. You don't even, you don't reckon with them. And that's why it always appeared to him as he sinned, meaning, He was always in a place where he felt an actual and profoundly essential sense of lack and deficit. And anything that he did, any of his, any of his accomplishments, they weren't part of his calculation. They, they, it, was, it was as if, if it, as if it was nothing, because nothing about him was anything, including all the good things he did. They simply, it was as if it didn't exist. And now we're in a position to go back to the original question at the beginning of the Sikha. How can the same two words allude to a situation of complete lack, abject poverty, and at the same time allude to being deserving of such a tremendous miracle? How did these two perushim, I had nothing at all except for my staff, or with this staff I was able to split the yarding? How, how are they connected? The Rebbe says they're connected because these two explanations express these two divergent and antithetical modalities that existed within Yaakov. From one, he had nothing, and everything that he asked of Hashem was only from a place of charity. On the other hand, he was on such a high level, he was in such a high level that he was completely deserving of the Yardin splitting for him. And so if a person is so great that he is deserving of having the Yardin split for him, then this indicates that he is certainly great enough to demand of Hashem that whatever he needs should come to him because he deserves it. If he were to go to a court case, he would emerge deserving. The Indian Mishpat So this binary that was found in Yaakov, Mishpat and Staka, that caused in him this ultimate katanti. 
this provided, this was the preparation, this was the preface that the words of his tefillah should come to fruition, which were Hatilenina, save me from Esa, Vaata Marti, Hetiv Hetiv Imach, Besamti, Azaracha Gichal Hayam, Ashaloyi Safemirait. The expression of Yaakov to Hashem, his prayer that came from this essential place that overrode Mishpat and overrode Staka with no Cheshbainis altogether. This is what allowed this tremendous bracha to come to fruition. And in the last two, Sifim, the Rebbe addresses the Haira in our Avaidah. So, what do we have to learn, each one of us? It's well known that each one of us, B'nai Yisrael, receive an inheritance from the Avaida of the Avais. The, the, the Gemara famously said that only these three are our patriarchs, only these three are our fathers, so only these three bequeath within each Jew from their DNA. So in accordance with this axiom, it's understood regarding what we're studying, that not only is every Jew deserving to ask from Hashem for everything that we need from a position of charity, but because we are the children of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, each one of us is deserving of this, deserving, not as a charity case. We're deserving of it. Like the Gemara says, all of B'nai Yisrael are the children of kings. We're all princes and princesses. The Rebbe says, and like my father-in-law once said, Because we are royalty, because we are B'nai Melochim, so Vitekeb said that even uh, uh, something that is slightly difficult is considered for Jew as a Vedas Perach, an extremely arduous overture. So because of who we are, because, of, because we're royalty, from that position, we can demand of Hashem all the wealth of the entire world. And in all the main things that a person needs in life, children, and health, and in Parnassa, and it should all be in an expansive way. And as the Altechebbe said, explain in Tayra'ar. So first I'm going to read it, and then I'll um, fill in the background story. If regarding he went three paces to honor Hashem. So even though Nebuchadnezzar was so evil and he destroyed the base of Mignash, but he did walk or run three paces for the glory of Hashem. 
And therefore, he merited that his kingdom remained for three generations. How much more so, how much more so, where you don't have a Jew who has not shown honor to Hashem, at least like this. So how much more so, it's clear that every Jew is deserving of all of the goodness of the world. Um, so very, very quickly, the story that's related in the Gemara, and you should look it up when you have time. It's very, very interesting, Gemara Sanhedrin, but just to synopsize. So Melech who was very, very ill, and the Abishtah healed him. And on the day that the Abishtah healed him, the Abishtah made that there should be another 10 hours of light on that day. Hmm, wouldn't we love that some days? Um, so this was an out and out overt miracle. And, and, and what was the back end story? The back end story was that Chizkiyot's father, Achaz, was a terrible Russia. And when he died, because he was a Russia, the Abishra did not feel that he merited to have a royal burial. So the Abishra took away 10 hours of light from that day. Suddenly, the world was the, where he lived was plunged into darkness, and they had to do a very quick burial. He didn't, he didn't merit to get the royal burial that he would have otherwise gotten. So Nebuzaradan, when he heard this story, when he heard this awesome story, about the 10 hours of light that Hizkiyahu merited and how they were taken away from his father, Ahaz, he was like, he was stunned by, by this. And when he heard the story, he said, we have to send greetings to this great, this great God and his people. So he sent greetings in the following manner. Shalom Alecha, he sent greetings to, to Hizkiyahu himself. Shalom Yerushalayim, he sent greetings to the city of Yerushalayim, and Shalom to the God of the Jews. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was, um, I, it's not clear exactly to me, speechwriter, minister, both of Nebuchadnezzar, and um, somehow he wasn't there when this, when this greeting was written, but when he heard of it, um, shortly after, he, he said, you have to change the order. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. You can't send Shalom first to Chizkiyahu, then to Yerushalayim, then to God. First you have to send Shalom to, first you have to exclaim the exaltedness of the God of Israel. You have to do it in the opposite order. So they said to him, okay, since you changed the order of the um, greeting, then you go and deliver it. So he started to run after the messenger, the courier, who had already gone with the original message. He ran three paces, and Malach Gavriel came and swooped him up and delivered him, and delivered him to Cheskio. So because he ran three paces for the glory of Hashem, he merited that he should have his kingdom, his family, his progeny remain in, in that position for three generations. Now, had Malach Gavriel not swooped him up, we don't even want to think of what it would have been, how many pieces he would have had to have been rewarded for, and what we would have suffered under that terrible tyrant. Um, but the point is that the Altar Rebbe says that if he got such greatness 
for, for running, walking three paces, how much more so every yid is deserving. So how do we understand a Jew who suffers terribly in this world? And here he's um, quoting from Torah R. This is only to, to, to break the person, to make him more subservient. But when a person stands in this madrega of this binary, of this, of this twin modalities of mishpat and staka, that he could ask for what is deserving, but still in all, he asks that Hashem just give him charity and this is a reflection of his place of self-abnegation and, and humility. Then the Jew gets the blessing of Hashem from his essential place and essential source then there comes down success that transcends any and all limitation and the success uh, saturates all 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 of all of his in children and health and sustenance and all in a way of expansiveness and anything that um, in this world that 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 can be um, disturbing is completely nisbatal. It's completely taken away. It's obviated. In order that he should be able to live calmly in this world. And all of this is also connected to the Geula of the Alter Rebbe. devoted his entire life to spread Pnimiya Satayra. And he put on aside anything, anything personal in order to spread until it reached outside, outside of anything. In other words, nothing was out of bounds for the Alter Rebbe. He wanted to go outside of all parameters. The cave on Shakach, and because of this, and therefore he could have demanded of Hashem that he should be freed simply on the basis of what he deserved. Din umishmat. The imkolza, and nevertheless, nevertheless, he asked for this as charity from Hashem. As he writes in, in, in elongated fashion in, in his epistle, in his letter, that his being freed 
was the kindness of Hashem, Shehifli Vihigdil Hashem Hashem did great wonders in this world by freeing him. He didn't believe that this was because of what he was deserving. And therefore, because the Alta Rebbe asked for it from such a place of self-abnegation, therefore it brought that the salvation and the redemption should come in a way that he was redeemed that it obviated the Hisnagdos, the um, those that were against Taris Hasidus, the opposition to Taris Hasidus, but Adraba, on the contrary, Nasu Omdu, those that opposed became those who stood for it, in a peaceful way, Kisium Hapasuk, like the end of that Pasuk, Padabashalam Nafshi, Kibirabim Hayu Imadi because many were with me, inclusive of those who were originally the Misnagdim. Um, so there's a lot here to unpack. Um, I'm, I'm cognizant of the fact, for sure, talking for myself, that in another time, before Project Lakote Sichas, I would have looked at the Sicha and I would have been like, Nah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what this is talking about. I, I can't do this. Um, and so I just want to, you know, keep reminding ourselves what a schuss what a we have to be um, involved in this project and to be learning in a, in a systematic way and in a way where we devote ourselves each week to learning from the ocean of, of, of the Rebbe's Torah. And, um, and, and in this way, you know, expanding our our abilities and our capabilities to understand not just, you know, what, what is more easy and more comfortable and kind of the classic sikhas that, uh, you know, we got this, but, um, but, to, but to keep pushing ourselves and moving ourselves into a terrain that, uh, that's a little bit more difficult, but allows us to, to begin, to begin to, to understand the profundity of, of this gift we've been given. Um, so I wish, every, yeah, somebody has a question or wants to say something? I just want to say that it really makes it um, a very big difference to have somebody who's doing the heavy lifting. You know, <laughs> you sound like, you know, we're all doing this together. You're doing the heavy uh-huh. lifting. We're benefiting. So thank you. Okay. Thank you, Vivi. But, uh, yeah, but uh, you know what? I, uh, I, 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 if I would not have made this commitment, I I would never be doing this. So you're doing the heavy lifting. I, I made the commitments. I'm forced to do it. And, and, and I am grateful beyond measure. Um, so wish all of us a, uh, you know, it should, we should feel, we should feel this, uh, the infinity of the brachas that have to flow uh, down in this time, in, the, in this chaydish, in, the, in, these, in these very, very holy days, each one of them. And uh, we should already be able to finish finish what the Alta Rebbe started. Wishing everybody a, a good week and kol tuf. Thank you so much for taking us all along on this incredible journey. Thank you. Thank you.
If anybody um, would like to, didn't get an email from me, but would like to be part of a gifts Rifki. Some people sent an email address, but I didn't get them all. I'm sorry about that. I thought they'd be um, saved on the recording. So if anybody is- To which email? I'm just gonna stop the recording one second. Okay.